Good day to you. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm uh, cruising along here, and we're almost halfway through August somehow. I'm telling you, everybody when I was younger always told me that like you're gonna you're gonna reach a day when years feel like months, and I'm I am thoroughly convinced that I have arrived at that place. Man, time is fleeting, and uh, I hope we're making the most of of every opportunity that comes our way. And uh, I just wanted to share some things today. Oh man, I've been really emotionally stirred about several things, and I'll, and I'll preface this, this might become two parts, I don't know. Um, and I just want the theme... For what I want to share, I just want to call it lose control. Lose control. I'm a very naturally controlling person. It's the the curse of a strong will, strong opinion. And I know that the Lord has delivered me of, of so much of that. He's empowered me to respond in a yielded will. Um, It started about 12 years ago, really, you know, doing it, I would say, to deep, deep places within me. And God's just really had me on a journey. You know, everybody says that word journey, everyone's on a journey. I've been sharing a lot lately in these recordings about people's personal journey of of uh, finding themselves, self exploration and self discovery. It's been a, it's been really shocking to me about how that has really been permeating everything that I see in just the circles of people that I know or have known in the past everyone's discovering themselves and I've talked to great length recently about the danger within that about the empowerment of ourselves being self-sufficient self-sustaining And there's just a real danger in that, friends, and I, the, it just continues to stir within me as I examine my own life. And circumstances bring about a greater understanding of the opposite of what the pattern of the world says and what the pattern of modern Christianity says, which is the power to do good, the power to be good, the power to overcome, the power to lose weight, to increase your self-esteem, to train your children, it's all within you. Take control of your life. And again, that's even what we're told in our modern brand of Christianity. Take control of your life. Don't let the devil tell you what to do. Take control, right? And I I would say this today. And I feel like I could presently talk about this for several hours, 
if I had that slot of time available. And I would say that we need to do the opposite. We need to lose control. Because the, the epitome of a proper definition of my life before I, what, surrendered my life and yielded my will to the will of Christ Jesus was self-sufficiency. Having control. I did that with great expertise. Why? Because it was my natural man. It was my natural tendency to take care of myself. That's easy. But a spiritual man, if we go by what we're taught about the the teachings of Jesus, the patterns of the Scripture, is a dependent people. An individual losing his rights. Surrendering himself, his will, his way. And exchanging it, as we talked about a couple weeks ago with the yoke exchange. Relinquishing and and giving up our yoke of slavery to sin and what? Self. I was once a slave to this body of flesh. Ruled and reigned by my own self-will. Not the devil. It was simply giving the enemy continued access into the dominion of my life, as we talked about in the dominion series of what is man. Freedom and liberty. Again, this theme is nothing new if you listen to this podcast with any regularity. It's a continuing of the same message going out What is freedom and liberty? It is to become a slave to the will of Jesus Christ who purchased me and to the brethren who are also purchased by him alongside me, part of the body I now share under the headship of Jesus Christ, the preeminent head of the body not living according to my own desires, listening to Paul's instruction to no longer return to the yoke of slavery to sin, to the ways of first Adam, my old father, but to remain yoked with Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, now in the firstborn of many brethren, free, free to be within his yoke. Controlled by the very Spirit of God within me. Losing control. Now this age with a megaphone is is declaring, you take control of your life. Be strong. Be capable. You look out for yourself because no one else will. 
And if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to get trampled down by everyone else. And don't let that happen. Well, again, a very simple elementary understanding of the, of the pattern of the teachings of Jesus in the eternal word of God declares to us the opposite. Jesus, for absolute certain, looked like a weak loser of a man who was overthrown, conquered, humiliated, and walked all over. And here's the reality we must face. That is true from a natural perspective. That is absolutely true. But when you look at it through the eternal eyes of the kingdom, through spiritual eyes, he accomplished, he accomplished perfectly the goal, the goal that was set before him. Well done. Well done. It is finished. The goal was accomplished. And how was the goal accomplished? Through the surrendered will. The abasement of self. And if he is the firstborn of many brethren, anyone who wants to be found truly in Jesus the Christ must follow that pattern. Is this redundant? Yes. Have you heard me say this 50 times? Yes, you have. But what, did, what are we told by Jesus himself, the Son of God, in flesh and bone body? He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Friend, are, are you losing your life? Or do you think you just lost your life in 1989 at an altar call at First Baptist Church? Did you lose your life at a revival service or a youth encounter? And you've just gone your way since then? Or are you losing your life? Are you doing the exchange necessary for the rest of your days to be sanctified into the image of the Son? Losing control. Not losing control for a mere moment, but the pattern of a life that is surrendering control to be a spirit-led man, not walking according to his flesh. He who loses his life for the sake of Jesus will find it. The abandoned, surrendered life. And I'll be honest, I don't, in myself, although this is greatly stirring in me, I'm kind of, I would kind of like to talk about something else, but I would have to fabricate it in myself and kind of stir myself up in order to, to go down another road right now.
I believe that this is some message that has got to become repeated and repeated until it actually lands within us and is ingested and becomes part of our directive of life. Lose control. And so this is where I want to go. Is uh, I want to share um, uh, an experience a couple days ago. And I'm just going to... It's very embarrassing to me. Because I'd like to think I'm a very responsible person. Very careful. Cautious. Most times, in most circumstances. I'm not a careless person. If anything, I overthink everything. But my son and I were coming back uh, from a friend's house a couple days ago over the weekend. And we were coming back to our driveway. We were approaching our driveway. And in case you don't know, we live out in the country. And we live on a a small dead-end road. And the main road, which is not much of a main road, that leads to our road is, is, is very short. Um, it's very short from that main road to my driveway is what I'm saying. We're the very first driveway when you come onto that side road, the dead end. And so when we hit that road, most days, my son unbuckles his seatbelt. It's very harmless has never really been an issue irresponsible perhaps yes as I think on it presently so we go up the short drive from exiting off this main road to get to our driveway it's a couple hundred yards perhaps and we pull into our driveway and my son the other day puts his hand on the door handle and being how I am I'm like son you know we're not I'm not stopping here you know at the mailbox we're going to drive up to the house so just get your hand off the door handle I don't want you to get out and so he does we drive maybe 50 more feet and he puts his hand back on the door handle and so I'm 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 fussing at him Noah Take your hand off the door handle, son. I don't want you to open the door and fall out. I'm driving. Albeit slow. So we go, we proceed to go down my driveway. And our yard presently, well, the other day, (laughs) was full of many items. I had two cultivator plows sitting out there. There's a wellhead in the middle of this portion of the yard. We had a table set out. I had two bundles of T-posts laying over on this side, and so it's kind of like a landmine situation. And on occasion, I drive down my driveway, and I make this U-turn through the yard, through the main portion of our yard, and I drive back up a little hill and park at our barn to get to park one of my my part my farm truck out of the way. And so as I did that, I'm just not really paying attention because I'm talking 
to Noah about making sure he doesn't open the door and fall out. Son, I'm going to drive around to the barn, so just just wait. Well, as I'm doing that and, and trying to maneuver all of these obstacles in the yard, I'm just not paying attention. And admittedly, I should have stopped right there and talked to him, made that clear, and or let him out. But I didn't. I kept driving, again, very slow, but still moving. And the next thing I know, as I'm looking at him, talking to him, and he's standing up in the cab of the truck, there's this ripping sound and crash on my side below my door. And anyone who's been in an accident, albeit this not was this wasn't some, you know, major accident. I've been in one of those before as well. Ironically, that was my fault as well. I have to admit. But anyone who's been in any kind of an accident, hit anything above just bumping something, something more than that, of course, knows that there's just there there are seconds of time that just I'm not really sure what happened. Time there's this five or six second span of time you just don't really know exactly what transpired. Well that's what happened. I know the truck hit the wellhead pretty hard. And then I guess because it's a four by four that sits kind of high, one of the step bars, I believe, kind of went up on it and then dropped off. And when it dropped off, the best I can tell, was the much harder hit and my son was thrown forward. And best we can tell, at the very least, some part of his body hit the windshield. We've, we've kind of deduced that we think it was his head, but we don't even know. And so... The truck kind of shakes to a stop. I hit my head on the windshield. I was a little bit like I wasn't at all physically altered or like out of it in any sense. But, you know, those are jarring types of moments. And the first thing I look over and see is the windshield cracked. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Of course, in the the milliseconds between that and... And looking towards my son, I'm just like, I have all these thoughts like, is my son okay? He's crying, of course. He was scared. It was loud. And, you know, the trucks, you know, it it moved around obviously pretty hard. So it scared him. So obviously, as we would all do with our children, I just grab him and I'm looking him over from head to toe. Are you okay? Are you okay? Is anything hurt? You know, I'm expecting something. And I just obviously inspect him every millimeter of his body. (laughs) And I'm concerned because he's crying, but he's just, it scared him. But again, I'm just concerned with looking him over. And what I find was boggling in the moment, and it is right now as well, I couldn't find a thing wrong with him. And I couldn't believe it. Because again, the best I can figure was his head. It was very high up on the windshield. And it was just, you know what windshields do. They just shatter. 
when there's an impact that hits them. And so I watch him. My wife pulls in because we were at this house together, so she was right behind me. I, of course, call her over in, in a two-second explanation, tell her what happened, and if she could just come, you know, take care of Noah and just check him, which she did, of course, and we could just find nothing wrong with him. And so for the next two hours, we're just watching him closely. Are you okay? Does anything hurt? Does your head hurt? Does your neck hurt? Does your shoulder hurt? Do you feel anything? Do you have any kind of a headache? Does anything at all feel wrong? To the point where after an hour or so of this, you know, he's just sitting reading some books. He's just like, I'm fine, Daddy. I'm fine. Jeez. <laughs> I'm okay. <sighs> and again, this is a couple days ago, and so I've had many thoughts on that, on those few moments that passed, of just my own error and ignorance and irresponsibility. I just feel stupid. I feel careless. As with anything like that, you're like, man, why didn't I just, why didn't I just stop, put the truck in park and talk to my son? Like, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I just stop? Of all things, I'm, I hit the wellhead at the house, me? You know, just feeling foolish. And, I, and I've gone through like my rational man thinking in regards to my son and him not being injured. Well, maybe, maybe the, there's a compromise in the windshield and it just cracked when we hit, you know, or... But I mean, I just keep going back. Like, what am I doing? I mean, he's pretty sure that his body hit the windshield. And where the placement is on the windshield would pretty much be a bullseye for his head of where he was standing. And so I can't help but just keep coming back and believing that God just watched over us. That God protected my son. And I just, I just believe with real simplicity that is the only explanation that makes any sense. It's the only one. There's no other reasoning. There's no other rational explanation. My son should have been hurt. But he didn't have a red bump. He didn't have swelling. He didn't have a headache, a neck ache, a sore shoulder. He got out and said, I'm fine, Daddy. I'm fine. 
And so as a believer in eternal Yahweh God, all I can rightly say is, God, thank you. You're a perfect father. You're a perfect God and keeper of those who entrust their lives and the lives of their children to you. And y'all, I don't even have time to go into my life. My life is a story of circumstances that should have either eliminated me completely or greatly harmed me. And I'm driving along this highway at 55 miles an hour, speaking with clarity, with clear understanding, as a fully functioning physical man. I don't care what anybody would tell me. I don't care what anyone would say and how anyone could say it's, it's doctors and in the wisdom of men and all these things that people want to just make sure they make clear. Yeah, that's true. I'm not some anti-human wisdom in the medical field guy, but you know what? My life is not entrusted to that wisdom. Y'all, almost 10 years to the day, this December, it will be 10 years, when I had a stroke. I had a stroke. (laughs) At 36 years of age. Because of my artery. I should have been impaired. Well, it wasn't a major stroke. Well, this, well, that, well... Well, my goodness, well what? I should be impaired. And I'm not impaired. A professional neurologist looked at my CAT scans and my MRIs and said, you know what? I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. Your artery was abnormally narrow, and now it's not. And that's sure not because because you were on blood thinners for six months. (laughs) That's not how that works. Something's changed in your body. Yeah, you're right. Yes and amen. Thank you, wise doctor, who knows more than I'll ever understand about the human body, for confirming that I'm not in control. You take the most strong person on this earth, you take the most self-sufficient, self-empowered person, and you give them a natural circumstance where their body is physically impaired, and you ask them how strong and sufficient they are. I'm serious. You take that strong-willed man who's found himself, and you give him a stroke where he can't move half his body, and you ask him how strong he is. Hey, brother, will yourself out of this. Will yourself out of this physical condition. Come on. You can do it. 
Friend, your body's riddled with cancer. I'm sorry. I hate to tell you that. These, I hate to tell you that news, friend. Your body is riddled with an advanced cancer that will devour every cell of your body and there's nothing I can do. And so you get all of the self-help gurus around and you get a circle and you think good positive thoughts and you will yourself to health. Right? Where and what then? Where do you turn and what do you do then if the power of self is your power? Friends, I've got no good in me apart from God. I couldn't heal one cell in my body by thinking happy good thoughts long enough in a day. And nor do you. We need a supernatural power. We need an eternal cosmic deity God, Yahweh Himself, who formed and fashioned bodies out of dust and dirt and breathed His Ruach breath of life into our lungs and holds us together by every word of His mouth. Lose control. Lose it, friend. Give up. We are frail, little, tiny specks of sand on a solar system of creation. A breath that's here and gone. A vapor. A blade of grass that comes and is burned up and withers away and is gone forevermore. That, my friends, is self. I don't want to empower that. I'm not going to. It's not meant to be. It's meant to be fueled and powered by the Spirit of God as a spiritual, eternal man. And if that's not what is being empowered, we're not powerful at all. We're not empowered at all. Can't be. We're trying to empower blades of grass and vapors. Fruitless. Fruitless, fruitless endeavors. So we'll make this part one. And I'll get back to my story about explaining my son and what the Lord has spoken to me through that circumstance coming up in part two. Amen.